And we ask ourselves, what do garments rolled up in blood and deep darkness and despair have to do with Christmas? Because we want our Christmas to be clean. We sing songs of white Christmases because we want Christmas to be idyllic and perfect. So most of us rush out as soon as we're able to, to get the Christmas tree, the one that we want. The one that's the perfect height, the perfect, you know, the perfect um, wideness, the perfect color of green. Some of us like it with fake snow because in Southern California you have to go far away to get snow. But we long for Christmas because we, in a sense, it brings out the joy and the happiness that perhaps we've been longing for all year long. One of the things that you'll often hear someone say is, well, it's 354 days or 55 days until Christmas again, right? And there's almost this sadness that, that comes with the end of Christmas, not just because we love the gifts, not just because we love the food that goes with it and all that other stuff, but there is this little bit of sadness where this joyous occasion, in a sense, has to be boxed up and put in the garage until next year. That's why I love when Christmas decorations come out, like, in October. <laughs> because it's symbolic of something so much more. And so we come back to the text and we ask, what can the words of the prophet Isaiah speak to us today? If you have the Red Bible in front of you, I'm going to read this, and if you want to follow along with me. It's page 489, Isaiah chapter 9. I just want to spend a moment in this passage. And if you're not reading it, I just want you to think of this. I want you to step into this darkness where it says in verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in blood, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire, for to us a child is born. I want to give you just a brief synopsis of what's going on here. So in, in this passage in Isaiah, the kings of Damascus and Samaria had an alliance together, and they came to the king of Jerusalem, which is what this is being written about, and they said, come and make an alliance with us because the Assyrians are coming and they're going to take over everything and everyone and when the Assyrians come, they are going to distribute and, and just, you know, like the diaspora, just send everyone all over the kingdom. But the king of Jerusalem, instead of signing up with these two other guys, he instead makes a payment and a deal with the Assyrian, the bigger, more powerful army, which would make sense to some of us, right? You go with the one who perhaps is going to destroy you anyway, because then at least you'll make a deal and you can at least keep some of what you have. Which makes sense to us, but that wasn't what God had asked the king, King Ahaz, to do. Instead, what God was telling him is, just wait a little longer and I will deliver you. 
Just wait a little longer and I will deliver you. You see, the message of Christmas and why we've been going through the prophets for the last five weeks is because the prophets help us to see what we can't normally see on our own. The prophets help us to hear the voice of God when we would rather listen to the voice of something or someone else. We look at this prophecy in Isaiah because it is a message for you today. I don't know what your darkness is that you're going through. In fact, I know that for every one of you who is here this morning, there is something that is symbolic of the darkness in your life. It may be a sin that keeps pulling you back. It may be a substance that you're addicted to that you keep being crawled back to. It may be a feeling or an emotion. It may be a deep depression or an anxiety. It may be financial woes. It may be relational woes. It may be a problem at work. It may even be with a problem with someone at church. I don't know what your darkness is. And I don't know how much longer you have to walk through it. What I do know is what Scripture tells us in the words of the prophets. Just remember, the words of the prophets are words that God gives to his prophet to give to us. But what he says is, those of you who walked in deep darkness, you will see a light. And it's not just a symbolic metaphorical light, but it is the light and the hope and the joy that comes with being in proximity and closeness to God. So why do we celebrate Christmas and Advent with all these things? Just remember that in October when you start seeing all of those big box stores with all of the Christmas things, it's a reminder, hey, the light is coming. And for three months, we get to be reminded everywhere we go with every song that we hear, with every red cup that we buy, with everything, we are being reminded that a light is coming and the light, in fact, has come. And it is available for you today. It says that the heavy burden of the oppressor is broken in closeness with God. You know, if you look at the news, you see that there are wars all over the world constantly, right? It's like we're in this constant state of war. So much so that we become desensitized to it, right? We have no problem sending our young men and women to do our bidding. But what Scripture tells us in Isaiah is that one day, all of that will end. He says the weapons and the tools of war will instead be burned and used for firewood, which is a biblical way of saying there will be a day when there will be no more war. There will be a day where there will be no more oppression. There will be a day when there will be no more injustice and instead righteousness will prevail. Righteousness and justice go hand in hand in the economy of God. And that's why this passage is so powerful because these people in the book of Isaiah were going through such deep and dark distress. They were in exile. They were not living the life that they knew God had called them to live. And God gives them hope. And he hands this passage by saying that it is the zeal, the passion, the drivenness of God who will bring all of this to fulfillment in your life. He says it is the zeal of God who works for you. It's not that you have to do everything on your own, but it is the zeal and the passion and God's love for you that will help you to do this. And God gives us in this very poetic way of how scripture is written, 
It says that we know that this is true because a son will be born to you. And he will be a prince of peace. He will be called the wonderful counselor, the almighty God. And in the person of Jesus, we believe that it is the culmination of the Old Testament prophecies and the prophets, that it is in Jesus that the culmination of God's love is finally being poured out to us. So it's not a matter of whether people believe that Jesus was real or not, but it's that Jesus is the representation of God's love poured into a person so that you and I could finally understand. And so we look to the prophets because they remind us to see and hear and feel the presence of God at Christmas. If you'd open with me to your red Bibles in front of you, to page 725, Luke chapter 2. We've already looked at Isaiah and the promise that those who live in deep darkness in the valley of the shadow of death, that they would see a great light. And so now we're going to fast forward to the culmination of that Old Testament prophecy, and we want to look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, this is a text we read all the time at Christmas. And I think we fail to recognize that, yes, the shepherds make great caricatures in our nativity scenes. And I know some churches will put on plays and they dress up the shepherds. And in 2018, when we think of shepherds, we think they're kind of the heroes of the story. Not, I mean, Jesus is the, the hero, Oh, and then Mary and Joseph. But you know what I mean. Like, we like the shepherds because they're cool. What we fail to realize is that in the first century, shepherds were not the center of attention. The shepherds were smelly and dirty because they were shepherds. In a lot of ways, they were on the margin of society. They were looked down because they weren't people of royal birth or of a royal lineage. But the shepherds were kind of just like the workers the help. 
No one really cared that much about them. And it is to shepherds that God sends an angel to say, hey, Jesus is born. And what's powerful about that is that what this teaches us is that sometimes God uses people in our lives to come and bring a message to us. A message about God's love, a message about about the hope that God gives us, or even an answer to prayer. And God will send anyone and everyone as long as we are willing to listen. And so the shepherds were the outcasts of society, and yet God gives them a central part in the narrative that would change the world. And what's amazing about this story is that if it were any other story, it would have played out differently. But what we find is that God uses impossible things. And if you were here last week, you, can, you remember that in Mary's song of praise, she says, nothing is impossible with God. And so God uses impossible things to change and shape the trajectory of the world. God uses impossible and unlikely things because it's only then that we can truly have faith that it is the God who is moving things forward. And that's what Christmas is for us. It's a reminder that God would stop at nothing to share his love with us. Christmas is about God beginning something new in this world. What theologians would call the beginning of the kingdom of heaven arrives in the person of Jesus. They say that because Jesus himself says that the kingdom of God is at hand, it is near, it is here. Something different has happened. But I think far too long as Christians, we, we would rather give way to the fear and the limiting beliefs and the sin in our lives. We would rather hold on that life could not be better than it possibly is. And so we give in to the negativity. But we forget that as believers in Jesus, that we are actually invited into the kingdom of heaven that is present all around us. You see, God isn't just a God for the future, but God is a God for the present. That's why the Old Testament is so powerful, because we see how God works in the lives of people who are willing to trust him, and also for the people who don't trust God. Because for as many stories as we have of people who trust God in the Old Testament, there are as many, if not twice as more stories of people who haven't trusted God, who have gone a different way, who have tried to solve their own problems on their own instead of trusting God. And in the story of Christmas, we have the culmination of God saying, all right, I am going to show you the way. I am going to be the way to the most abundant life. You just have to trust. So as we break here in just a few more minutes, as we leave this place, may the songs that we've sung not just be a momentary relief from the worries and the cares of the world, but that the songs and the scriptures and the prayers, that they would fill your soul, that they would shape your imagination for what it looks like to be one who, like the shepherds, trusts God and walks in the light of Christ.